Good morning and happy Thursday to you. It is March 23rd and you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. Not Roadmap to Heaven and not any other map, just Roadmap to Heaven. I'm Adam Wright with you for the hour and we begin our day in prayer. I ask you to join me in prayer in addition to our morning offering today. Let's pray a Hail Mary for the repose of the soul of Auxiliary Bishop Sherry from New Orleans who died earlier this week. Um, Catholic News Agency reporting he died after a lengthy illness. So we pray for Bishop Bernard Joseph Sherry III, a Franciscan of the Order of Friars Minor and Auxiliary Bishop of New Orleans. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your sacred heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, O Lord. Or now and at the hour of our death, amen. Eternal rest grant unto him, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon him. May his soul and the souls of all the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, classic example this morning of why I tell people, don't ever be ashamed to have the prayers in front of you if it helps you to pray them better. Because even the fact that I pray the morning offering every day, I have to have it in front of me. I don't know why. I used to be in plays. I used to memorize whole scripts worth of dialogue. I, you know, did a great job with it. But why sometimes can't memorize prayers? I don't know. But the worst thing would be not to pray them. So again, you know, here in the radio studio, I've got the morning offering right here on my desk. I have my computer screen so that as we pray the eternal rest prayer, I've got that pulled up. And I got so distracted that I messed up the end of the Hail Mary there. But what about you? You probably don't go to a radio studio any morning, but do you go to brush your teeth in the morning? Can you put some of those morning prayers you need to pray on the bathroom mirror so that while you're brushing your hair, you can pray? You know, there's a, a joke that uh, someone said, you know, I've got all this stuff to do and I have to pray. So I asked my uh, superior for permission to do all this other stuff while I pray. And the superior said no. And the other guy said, well, I asked my superior for permission to pray while I do all this other stuff. And he said, yes. Um, it's all how you phrase the question, right? On the show today, we are going to be doing a couple of things. We're going to be talking about passion. You know, we come this week to the fifth Sunday of Lent, and it's hard to believe that just a week after that is going to be Palm Sunday of the Lord's Passion. Uh, we're going to talk about our Lord's Passion, Death, and Resurrection quite a bit in the next few weeks. What does that word mean, passion? Monsignor Timothy Cronin is going to help break that open for us. For our radio listeners today, we have a homily on the prodigal son, a nice little Lenten homily, and maybe hopefully it will inspire us to go to reconciliation if it's been a while. And then we also have a testimony on the rosary that we would like to share with you this morning. But before we get to any of that, let's go to Mike Roberts. Today is the feast day of St. Toribius of Mogrovejo, 
Born in Spain in the 16th century, his parents were nobles who had a rich faith life. From his youth, Terribius had a great devotion to the Blessed Mother, once fasting for a week while reciting rosaries constantly in her honor. In college, he excelled in law, becoming a scholar and professor. Eventually, this led him to being named the Chief Inquisitor at Grenada. In spite of the fact that he was not a priest, the Pope asked Terribius to become the Archbishop of Lima, Peru. He was quite hesitant because he was not a religious, but he received intense training and was ordained in 1579 becoming the Archbishop in Lima. He'd been chosen because of his brilliance and determination, qualities badly needed in Lima, which was an archdiocese in disarray, especially because of abuses among the clergy. He began by visiting each parish and staying for several days to get closer to the parishioners and local population. Every morning, he had the local priest hear his confession, and then he said Mass. He was known for his great reverence during Mass. Among those he confirmed were St. Rose of Lima and St. Martin de Porras. Terribius spiritually and physically rebuilt the archdiocese in Lima, establishing new churches and schools, even having new roads built. And he predicted the exact day and hour of his own death. While visiting a local parish, he developed a fever and became suddenly very ill. In his last words, he quoted Jesus, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He died on this day in 1606. St. Terribius, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. The news agency reports that yesterday at the end of his general audience, Pope Francis has once again invited Catholics around the world to renew consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary on March 25th. And for those of you who are without a calendar, that would be this coming Saturday. Last year, the Holy Father invited us all to make an act of consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary on the Solemnity of the Annunciation in union with the bishops of the world who consecrated the church, humanity, especially Russia and the Ukraine, to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Now here's a quote from the Holy Father. Let us not tire of entrusting the cause of peace to the Queen of Peace. Therefore, I would like to invite each believer and community, especially prayer groups, to renew every March 25th the act of consecration to Our Lady so that she who is mother may guard us all in unity and peace. I think it's a splendid idea to make an act of consecration this coming Saturday on the Solemnity of the Annunciation to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and to go to the Blessed Mother and renew our devotion to her daily. Perhaps uh, in addition to that, if it's been a while since you've done a Marian consecration, I particularly like the one by St. Louis de Montfort with his preparation over 33 days. Uh, you know, it, it's a good time to say, all right, let's make a uh, let's make a Marian consecration. We'll have to talk about that more coming up on the show in the next week or so. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online. You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. Shortly after I was out of college, I was helping out with a youth group, and we were doing a service retreat called Christ Power, and the theme that year was passion. And I remember it vividly. All of the participants received these bright red shirts, and right across the front in bold white letters, passion. And we talked a lot about 
our Lord's passion for us that week. Here to help us break open what that means, passion, especially in the context of Holy Week, we are happy to be joined by Monsignor Timothy Cronin, pastor of St. Mary Magdalene Parish in Brentwood. Monsignor, always good to have you with us on the show. Good to be with you. Thank you, Adam. So, Monsignor, let's let's talk about this. I, I like to uh, define our terms sometimes, and I went to the, the good old dictionary here, because when I think of passion, I often think of that intense emotion, whether that's passionate love that a husband might have for a wife and, and, and vice versa, or the passion that perhaps an athlete has for the game and exerts on the playing field, so on and so forth. And yet, right at the beginning, the first definition in Merriam-Webster the sufferings of Christ between the night of the Last Supper and his death, and then the second definition closely linked to it, suffering. Very good. You know, we think about it that even liturgically, as you were saying before, we talk about the, most of us refer to the beginning of Holy Week as Palm Sunday, and yet it is the, it is the celebration of the Passion uh, of the Lord on Palm Sunday, and as well as on Good Friday, we celebrate the commemoration of the Lord's Passion. What does the word passion mean? Well, ultimately, just from the Latin word, from the, the past participle, it means, passus means to suffer. And so when our Lord um, embraces the cross, he is truly suffering for us. And when we have passion with someone else in their suffering, we call that compassion, um, we were able to say that, or when we are patient with others, all those are the same root words, that we're able to join our sufferings to others, and ultimately, Jesus perfectly suffers for us in his death. Now, this is one of those areas that always becomes a little bit of a mental exercise for me, thinking about Jesus' suffering. You know, how can God suffer? He, he's God. He knows what he's doing. He knows exactly what this will achieve. And transcending time, he knows who will receive this and, and turn to him in not just that day on the cross, but in all of humanity. And yet he suffers. We hear of that agony in the garden. And I have to say, Monsignor, that is a mystery that to this day, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around it. I know that he did suffer. But still that question of how can God suffer? Right. You know, it goes back, of course, to Adam and Eve, and we recognize the reality of sin. And that once we sinned, and all of us who obviously receive that sin um, that is transmitted to us, that we know that that could have been the end. So throughout the Old Testament, we know about um, God's plan in preparing us for what you just described there, the indescribable, that he would actually sacrifice his own son. Sacrifices were given, animals were split open, the blood poured out, Moses, the lintel on the doorpost, all of those images we know, but obviously they do not save us. They only lead us to that perfect sacrifice that Jesus makes, that he opens his, his self totally. And to think about that is uh, truly something for us to ponder in these, these days of, of Lent and Holy Week that are approaching, knowing our Lord's great gift. So how could a God suffer? I mean, it's the problem of evil, too, that if, if God is such a good God, why does this even exist? We know, ultimately, we are the cause, and our Lord obviously freely chooses to save us by the gift of his Son. Obviously, it's why we, we celebrate Christmas, why Jesus comes into our world, some of them, the Christmas hymns, you know, to save us all from Satan's power when we had gone astray, or tidings of comfort and joy, we sing, and we will sing, Hosanna, 
on Palm Sunday and then later say, crucify him, crucify him with the crowds because we too have caused our God's death. One of the joyful aspects of this is we know that the suffering is not in vain. It's not suffering for no reason. When we think we are going through the worst moments of our life where we are suffering in a way that we have never suffered before and and perhaps our friends don't understand as compassionate as they are, we're still not alone that our Lord took upon the suffering himself and he is right there with us. And that, that is, when you talk about comfort and joy, something that we can take comfort in as we reflect on Holy Week. Right. A redemptive suffering is a beautiful teaching of our church. You know, uh, many of our evangelical brothers and sisters display the cross without the corpus because they don't really want to reflect on that. I mean, obviously, the resurrection indeed um, is our goal to join our Lord and his triumph over death. But ultimately, you and I are called, as Jesus said, to take up our cross daily, and we do that in whatever ways he gives them to him. Some of them, unfortunately, we cause ourselves, <laughs> or some of the crosses we take on that really our Lord says, I'm not really asking you to do that. But there are some crosses that we know that he does ask us to take on, and we join him, imperfect as we are, to his perfect sacrifice, his perfect cross. And um, even right now, in, in the midst of Lent here, I'm sure many of us are doing penances. Why? Because we unite ourselves to the cross of Jesus and know that um, in some ways we are saying, Lord, I love you, and I thank you for what you have done for me. Um, it's a great gift that we can give to him. Again, whether we are, there's some I'm sure right now who are been suffering tremendously, have heavy burdens that they carry, um, whether the crosses are small or whether they're large, um, when they're all united to the Lord, um, what a great gift they, they are back to God. As we conclude here, I would like to ask you, you know, you've been a pastor and a priest for many years. Uh, we've really been doing our penances all Lent. We're getting ready. I mean, really, all of Lent is a preparatory exercise to reflect and celebrate the mysteries, the Paschal mystery, and in the days of Holy Week. I wonder, what are some thoughts as we go into this final push here on how we can reflect on our Lord's Passion and really take our prayer, I, I suppose, to the next level or take it to a deeper place this year? Well, first and foremost, I would encourage everyone to receive the sacrament of penance, to uh, go to the Lord humbly and confess your sins. If you haven't made yet a good confession before Easter, to do that. But I think ultimately we start back what Jesus taught us in the beginning on those first day of Lent at Ash Wednesday. What do we hear? The three disciplines, the three ways to holiness are through prayer, and penance and works of charity, almsgiving, and so that we can just give the Lord time by contemplating uh, his passion, by spending some quiet time. Maybe it's, again, a prayerful praying of the stations of the cross, meditating on one of the, the readings of, of the Lord's passion from the Gospels, um, simply preparing oneself to recognize again that um, what our Lord has done for us is for you and for me, um, not just anonymous humanity, but truly for us. Monsignor, could I ask you to close our time together with a prayer? I sure will. I'd like to conclude with uh, words from uh, Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, one of his meditations on the Station of the Cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I know, dear Lord, how crosses are made. Thy will is the vertical bar. My will is the horizontal bar. When I place my will against thy will, I make a cross. Up to this point, dear Jesus, I have done nothing but fashion crosses by disobeying thy holy law and asserting my own selfish desire. 
grant that I may make thee no more crosses, but henceforth may place the bar of my will alongside the bar of thy will, and make a yoke that will always be sweet and a burden that will always be light. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Here is our catechiz question today. Why do we refer to the mystery of our Lord's passion, death, and resurrection as the Paschal mystery? Not Pascal like the artist or the computer program, but the Paschal mystery. Why do we do that? Well, uh, because of when this occurred, when our Lord's passion, death, and resurrection occurred. It occurred during the Passover. Uh, I'm not going to try and pronounce Hebrew. I've never been good at it, but that the Hebrew word uh, P-E-S-A-C-H for Passover became the Greek word Pascha, and then that we have turned now into Paschal. And uh, read a fran- uh, fascinating article on franciscanmedia.org. It's in their Ask a Franciscan series, and it says, in fact, we now we now know as Passover was originally two feasts, uh, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread is described in Exodus as one part of that, because Jesus' death happened at the time of Passover, the term Paschal Mystery refers to his suffering, death, and resurrection. The candle lit at the Easter Vigil and used throughout the Easter season is called the Paschal Candle, and so that's where that word comes from, Paschal, Paschal Mystery, Paschal Feast, Paschal Candle. Uh, Now you know. Let's get you a daily dose of encouragement. We pause on this Thursday for our daily dose of encouragement. This week, Patty Schneier is sharing with us encouragements on passing the faith on to our children. Patty, what's in store today? Well, the first three days, I was encouraging parents to be bold and intentional. First, about the Eucharist. Second, about prayer and your time. Thirdly, about teaching your children about sexual purity and the gift and this call to love and the church's teachings. This is a huge area to be bold and intentional. Today, I want to talk about some tough conversations that parents have to have with their children. And and you can't really avoid them because most parents are going to come across at some time or another when someone, your child will say, why do we have to go to church? I don't want to go to church. And what's going to be your answer? So here's one of the tough conversations we had to have sometime, I would say, because I will not let you starve. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. I will not let you starve. And that is because we're going to go to Mass in order to receive the Eucharist, which is food for the spiritual journey, which we all need in order to have life. You have to have food and drink. So again, you might have to come down with those hard words. I will not let you starve. Not on my watch. Uh, Again, the tough conversations. If you want to borrow my words, feel free. I'm just trying to give you tools for your toolbox. But we had to have this conversation with our sons, especially when they wanted to play select sports. And here's what I had to say. And these were my exact words. The day you miss mass to pitch in a baseball game is the last day you will pitch in a baseball game. The day you miss Sunday mass at college is the day I stop paying one dime for any of your college. I will not condone a lifestyle that is going to suck you out of the church. I won't do it. Again, tough conversation, tough words, but that's what we said when they wanted to play those sports, you know, fill in the blank for whatever sport. The day you miss mass to play in a volleyball game is the last time you play a volleyball game. You fill in the blank for your child, but we had to have that. Another one, I said this a lot to my kids, if someone gave you a million dollars every week, gave you a million dollars every week and asked you for just one dollar back, wouldn't you gladly give that person the dollar? They've just given you a million dollars. And they say, oh, but could I just have one dollar back? Of course. Of course you would. 
Well, God gives you millions of blessings every single day, every single week, and he asks for just one hour back. We become more human when we give God his due. It's right and just. So that's why another reason why we're going to go to church. Finally, sometimes I know this can happen. Your teenager may say, come on, mom, can we leave early? Mass is, it's almost over. Can we leave after communion? I got to get to my game. Tough words, but here's what you can say. There is only one person who ever left mass early in the Bible, and his name was Judas. Don't ever ask me to leave early again. Not on my watch. Again, tough conversations, tough words. Sometimes we have to have that tough love. If you want to borrow those words from me, feel free. But I did say them to my kids. One of the lessons you taught me early on in our our work together here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement was the value of consistency. And while these are tough lessons, I have found in my own experience that the more consistent I am in enforcing these important things, I will not let you starve on my watch, well, the less and less my kids ask me, do we have to go? Can we leave early? That question, they, they don't even bother anymore because they know the answer. And actually, all of them are said, because I love you. Because I love you, I will not let you starve. Because I love you, I will not let you leave mass early. Because I love you. And they knew that. And I could would say to them, at the end of the day, you can be mad at me, but you know I love you so much that I'm willing to fight for your soul. Amen. Amen. It's true. And what a great encouragement it is for us today. As we wrap up today, I'm just going back to our catechism about the word Paschal. And I never put it together, but as a kid, every year we'd go over to my grandma's house on Easter Sunday and we'd have dinner in the evening and the Ten Commandments would always be on with Charlton Heston. And it, you know, it wasn't Easter unless we watched that as, as kids at grandma's house. And it was many years later, I'm like, oh, yeah, the connection between Passover and eat that that's why. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For all of us here at Covenant Network, I want to thank you for listening to Roadmap to Heaven today. Be sure to share this episode with your friends. And if you're listening on the podcast, be sure to click like and subscribe or whatever buttons to that effect may be out there. Until tomorrow, as the Blessed Mother wants us to do each and every day, pray your rosary today.